You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 222 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina, in episode 222? (laughs) Or aloha, Valerie. How you going? Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Aloha to you and all those other words that I learnt, mahalo and Uli uli, I like. I learnt that word. I don't know. It's some kind of food. I like that. Ohana. I think that means family. So all, to all the Hawaiians out there, I'm sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but um, you have a beautiful island or set of islands, and um, I love the place. I think it's fantastic. So, and so I'm, but I'm glad to be back. It's nice to be back with my my little babies. You missed your kitty cats. Yeah, they're so cute. Did they did they Skype with you while you were away? They sent photos and stuff. Yeah, it was really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm good. You're, it's been yeah, busy. What's been There's been lots yeah. going on. Um, it's that time of year. Yeah, it is a bit hectic, so juggling lots at the moment, but it's a beautiful time of the year and like um it's it's all good, Val, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to welcome, if you're a new listener, welcome and uh, um, thanks for joining us. This is where we talk about all things to do with photography. And if you're a regular listener and who have been with us for a while, I know that there are some listeners who have been with us, with, with us mm-hmm. since episode one. And if that is you, I thank you. We both thank you yeah. because, you know, um, really appreciate it because you, you've stuck with us and hopefully you've, you'll, you've learnt more than a thing or two from the podcasts. Uh, we want to give a big shout out to The View from Scott's Office. That's the name he's given himself. I think it's he. Uh, the View from Scott's Office from the US who has kindly left us a review on iTunes. Now, The View from Scott's Office has entitled it To the Moon and Back. And this is what they've said. If you're looking for a great educational and entertaining podcast, look no further. I've tried a lot of photography podcasts and I always come back to Gina and Val. Sitting and listening to the two of them banter in itself would be enough to keep me coming back. (laughs) But the true treasure here is Gina's knowledge and her willingness to share it with the rest of us. Not only does she pass on her knowledge in the show, but she will also take time out of her busy schedule to personally comment and answer questions in the Facebook group. Don't take my word for it. Give it a listen and maybe like me, you two will love the show to the moon and back. Oh, wow. That's so nice. That's Thank you, the view awesome. from Scott's office. I wonder what the view from Scott's office is like. I know. Look, look the view from Scott's office, or I'm guessing perhaps your name is Scott. Um, maybe you could post a photo in the Facebook group 
of the view from Scott's office because we would love to see it. And of course, if you are new to us, the Facebook group, the Facebook group that Scott is referring to is um, all you need to do to find it. It's a great place to hang out. It's where our listeners hang out. Just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. It's where we, you know, share photos and um, comment on each other's stuff. And it's a really great group of people. Mm. And of course, if anyone has um, 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, that would be awesome. We'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings. Now, let's move on to we have a constructive critique yeah. on a photo or a series of photos from Dennis. Now, Dennis actually posted this in the Facebook group and he is he was looking for a constructive critique and he's used his Nikon to take a bunch of photos which you can find in um, – either in the Facebook group or in the show notes. If you want to go to the show notes to look at anything we talk about today, then just go to ginamilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. Now, these photos are in the show notes and they're a series of shots with a mother and her daughter, kind of taken in and around the beach, including some parkland and um they're just some great int shots where the mother is interacting with her daughter, who is looks like maybe a two-year-old, perhaps. Yeah, I'm thinking. About and that. yeah, and also just some um, portrait shots of the mother, who's um, wearing the lovely cobalt blue dress in this like um, beach setting. So, what are your comments, Gina? All right. So, I think firstly, Dennis, you've done a great job capturing a natural images here and uh, getting in and c- capturing a variety of shots they're all exposed mm. well and so that's that's like h- half of it there isn't it Val that you get the yeah. shots sharp and well exposed and also capturing subjects that look relaxed and they look really relaxed and connected and so like beautiful moments and of course Dennis has asked uh, to go hard on him and uh, really go for it with the uh, critique, which is not how I operate, Dennis, I'm afraid. I, I like <laughs> to go gently and uh, encourage people. But um, what I think, and this is for everyone who is starting out in photography, it comes down to practice and practice and practice and don't be afraid to push and make mistakes an experiment, and um, I was talking about this uh, in the with the gold members this morning about that. You know, getting out there and really not being afraid to push it. Uh, so I think for this sort of stuff, what you want to once you have gotten to know your camera and what it's capable of, and you're kind of fairly confident with how your settings work and getting your exposure correct, which I can see you doing. There's nothing that looks wildly overexposed or underexposed. So you know how to do that. The next step is to start to recognize the difference between good light and not so good light and starting to really pre-visualize the shots and taking a few minutes to look around and think, okay, this is what I want to achieve with this shoot and go for one thing and one thing only rather than often when photographers are starting out, it's a kind of a spray and pray mentality where it's just like I'm going to shoot a thousand shots. 
guaranteed to get a good one. And you always will. On average, one out of every thousand will be great. But just that slowing it down and being more deliberate in how you shoot and really looking for light and planning around light as well, Val. So like looking for stuff like nice open shade, which Dennis has done uh, in, in some of these images. I can see that the light is lovely and soft. And then thinking about where you're positioned in relation to your model and the light so that you're getting beautiful catch lights and uh, how you position your camera. The other thing you want to be thinking about is how you're setting your white balance. So I can see in one of the images there is a bit of a green cast on your model. So that's something that you can work on in post-production, which brings me to my next suggestion is to really work on your editing and also how you expose. So some of the images I noticed that they're uh, beautifully exposed all the way through, but I think you could push that and expose for what is it that you want to look good in this image? Are you exposing to have a nice blue sky or what's important in the image? Do you want a good skin tone? So sometimes exposing for skin tone is going to blow out the sky, but it's about capturing that emotion and what's important in the shot. So it all comes back to what do you want to achieve and pre-visualizing that image and then going for it and then not being afraid to push those boundary boundaries as well. And then finally, something that you really want to be uh, working on is your composition and, and where you're putting your model in relation to the frame. And again, that's all about being more deliberate in how you're setting out to shoot those images. So I think you've done a fantastic job. Just keep doing more and then just keep those things in the back of your mind. Uh, the big one here is looking for the good light because light over location, light always wins. Awesome. And of course, if you would like, you know, some great tips like this and regular constructive critiques from Gina, then have a think about joining the gold community. And if you'd like more information about this awesome community, have a listen to this. Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, there we go. Um, now this week... The topic is what are the best lenses and camera settings for portrait 
and documentary photography. Mm-hmm. That is cool. All right. So where do we start on that one? I think what I'd like to know first, so in case there is some people who are kind of new to photography, is your definition of portrait photography and your definition of documentary photography. So what are you referring to? All right. So portrait photography is photographing people in a staged uh, setting and Mm -hmm. documentary photography applies in this uh, podcast and this definition is all about uh, street, candid and documentary style photography. So it's more of a candid approach to photography and I've got a hack that is a Mm -hmm. game changer that I'll share All right, I can't wait. Yeah, really excited and uh, can't wait for everyone to start trying this out and seeing the results because it's something that I've been playing with for the last uh, few months myself. So, yeah, it's exciting. Okay, cool. Wow. All right. Do go on then. Where are we going with this? All right. So the the reason I wanted to talk about this is I think one of the most frustrating things for photographers as they're starting out is like one of the most frustrating stages of learning is the moment you start to recognize the difference between uh, what's good and what's great, but you don't quite have the skills to achieve great yet. Do you get what yeah. I mean? Because like, I, I think it. with yes. your painting, Val, like, as you're learning and you, you, you see, like you know where you want to go, but yeah. you go, but how do they, how does they, you know, because you're seeing the, sh- yeah. the, like, the shots and you're going, but how did they do that? And then yeah. when you realize that there is a, there is a deliberate technique that you can use and you work out how to do that. It's, such, it's so exciting. Like it is. Uh, all those little stages when you work out how to do them. So do you remember, like I know you don't do this with your painting, Val, but do you remember maybe in school or like as you were a kid growing up, did you ever do painting by numbers? Um. Okay. So I had a I was given this painting by numbers kit. Yeah. And the image was going to be this beautiful um woman in a flamenco dress. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> dancing. And um it had the little pots and the little numbers and all of that. And it sat in my cupboard for I don't know, 20 years or something. So <laughs> until I became an adult. Yeah. Because I it, it was too precious to to use. Right. It's ridiculous. You didn't want to paint in the – you did, just didn't want to do it. I wanted to, yeah. but because I wanted it to be perfect, yeah, I was too scared that I wasn't going to make it perfect, so right. therefore I didn't start. Yeah. That's not a good thing, Val, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. And it never got painted. Yeah. I don't know where it went to this what day. What a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> The thing about painting by numbers and what I love about it uh, and any sort of teaching style that allows you to see what's possible and I think you can do – there was a series of cookbooks and – can you remember that, like four ingredients and? Oh yeah, for sure. Those two ladies who yeah, yeah. had ingre- who who had all these recipes that only were made up of four ingredients. So it was really basic, and then you felt like a cook. You felt like you were a chef because you could assemble these four basic ingredients and make something that looked. Um, that you could eat, that you could serve and yeah. it almost looked good, right? Hmm. And then there was another, Donna Hay created a whole series of recipes and cookbooks mm. which, which was teaching cooking 
basics to people who didn't even know how to boil an egg. And so yeah, yeah. she she like it was as basic as you get a pot, you put water in it, mm. you bring it to a boil, you add the egg, mm. you wait six mm. minutes, and you've got a perfectly soft boiled egg. Anyone's listening at home, that's the recipe for a perfectly soft boiled <laughs> egg. So the whites are cooked. Six minutes. Six, you bring no the water. Way. You bring the water to boil first, then you add the egg, boil for six minutes, it's perfect. It would be hard boiled in six minutes. No, deli style, you know, when you get your smashed avocado with eggs, that's the recipe. Okay. Oh, that's not my definition of a soft boiled egg. What, how, so the whites are cooked, the red, Mm -hmm. the yolk is runny. Yeah, no, my definition of a soft boiled egg is everything is runny. That's revolting, Val. That's wrong. That gets that's sent back to the kitchen. No way. That's how that, I ask for it. There's something wrong with you. No, that's wrong. What? That's just an egg. That's not cooked. Are you talking no, about is, the white is gooey? It's um, it's not transparent, but it's still runny. No. Oh, I love it. It's no, like my idea no. of heaven. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, everyone. So this is po- not so you want to eat eggs. <laughs> the point of that whole conversation was that Donna <laughs> Hay um, had these series of cookbooks where she would teach people how to cook in a basic, it was almost like a paint by numbers. And yes. It, and what it does I can still remember is, some of the recipes. Mm. Is it gives people the confidence to have a go at doing yes. these things. Now, I like to teach in this paint-by-number Donahay six minutes to boil the perfectly soft-boiled egg, don't listen to Valerie Koo technique, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm. if you come in with your photography and I say, okay, here is a starting point. Here are the basic settings. Try this. And you get an image and you go, wow, that looks good. It's going to give you the confidence to keep doing and keep experimenting, right? So that's what this yeah. episode is about, all right? So Great, yes. It's the painting by numbers or how to cook a soft-boiled egg to perfection. Uh, all right. And basically I want you to, if you're a newbie or someone who hasn't tried these styles and particularly the documentary style that I, technique that I'm going to share with you as well, is use these settings as a starting point and tweak them and make them your own and then you will want to make the shots your own as well. And uh, mm-hmm. so you want to decide what you want to achieve, pre-visualize the image, okay, and then tweak from there. So remember that 20% of the work is the actual uh, te- technical side of it how the camera is set, the 80% of the work is the connection that you create with the person that you're photographing, 80% of the work. And you've seen me do this, Val. And you want to get the aim for to become a good portrait photographer or any kind of photography and Mika Boynton, who I spoke to last week, talked about this as well. Her photos, her landscape photos started to take off when suddenly she was no longer thinking about, I need to shoot at F8, I'm going to have a 24 Mm. millimeter lens, this is where my camera's going to be. There's a point where if you do it enough, it all becomes intuitive and you just do it and then you can focus all of your attention or 80% of your attention on 
creating that connection and then making the shot your own. So, um, okay, so let's talk about the portrait photography. Settings, important settings when you're setting out to take a portrait. You can decide if you want to shoot handheld or tripod. There is uh, advantages of both styles. I used to only shoot tripod. I now shoot Mm -hmm. both, and I've actually taught myself to shoot handheld, which sounds ridiculous uh, for someone who's been shooting (laughs) as long as I've had. I can shoot handheld now. Uh, I'm a big girl. Uh, But it's... um, it didn't suit my style early on, and uh, now I, I like to shoot a, a little bit of both. But if you are the type of photographer that feels uh, a bit restricted shooting to tripod, and I know a lot of people do because you have to be fixed and you would rather move around, then maybe mm-hmm. handheld is for you. What's important is you want to have a fast enough shutter speed to uh, freeze emotion. And if you're photographing someone who is moving around, reacting, laughing, talking, then you want to have maybe a shutter speed of 1 125th or higher so that okay. you can control that movement. So that that is crucial. Right. 1 125th or of a higher. second or higher. Okay. If you're shooting on tripod and mm. let's say you uh, want to capture a portrait of someone and it is a quiet moment and it is a, like a still portrait where they're, they're, it's not a lot of movement. They just might be just slightly changing the expression or you're just trying to get the love through the eyes. You've heard me say that, Val, on shoots many times. Yeah. More love through the eyes. Uh, smiling shoot, eyes. Smiling eyes. You can shoot a lot slower and so you can drop because you're on tripod the camera's not going to move you're not going to get camera shake you're and if your model's not going to move or not suddenly just start laughing or something like that then you can drop your shutter speed down to something like one one fifth one fifteenth of a second okay so there you one one fifteenth of a second because Mm -hmm. your camera is still on the tripod okay so that that's a good start to the shutter speed. If you have someone who is going to be moving around, small child, someone is animated, or you know that they're going to be bursting out laughing, because some of the most, some of the best portraits are not the actual one that you're going for. It's that moment between frames where you'll say something and they crack up laughing, and you get that laughing off camera shot. That you're not going to nail it at one fifteenth of a second because they're going to move fast and it'll be slightly out of focus so if you know that that's happening then have a faster shutter speed okay yep. all right lens choice uh okay this comes down to what your personal preference is and how comfortable you feel in front of your person the person that you're photographing and mm-hmm how comfortable the person that you're photographing feels with you and being in front of the camera. Okay. Okay. Now, if you're newer to photography, I kind of recommend that you shoot with a longer lens because you are a bit further back from your model. You're not in their personal space. I've started uh, recently uh, shooting a lot with a lot shorter lenses and I'm using a 35 a lot to do headshots at the moment because I've got the new Fuji that I'm shooting with. 
I am practically straddling people to get their headshots. I'm so <laughs> close to them. Like there is about right. 30 centimetres between. I'm like compared to where I used to shoot, like I used to, uh, and I still like to shoot long, um, but I would be back a bit. And it's interesting. When I'm doing my commercial shoots, I tend yeah. to prefer to shoot long for those shoots. So I might be somewhere, I, I kind of like a focal length of about somewhere between 100 millimetres to 170 millimetre focal length. So it's quite mm. long because I'm often shooting on a photographic background. So I've got roll paper and I want a narrower field of view. And when you shoot long, the area that the long lens sees is a lot narrower than if you shoot with a wider lens, say something like okay. 24 to 50 is going to show you more of the background. So yep. your lens choice is going to come down to how much you want to see of the background, how close you want to get to that person because it really changes the look and the energy of a person and how confident you are in getting up close in people's energy. Now, I'm kind of really enjoying being in people's faces at the moment, <laughs> but not always. There are sometimes when uh, I'll become more introverted and I don't quite, but for a few minutes, I do enjoy it. I couldn't stay there all day, though, that close right. to people. So I want to run away and go home. But um, you can see in the show notes, uh, if you want to have a look, you can see the difference in how a shot feels and looks when you're shooting up close at, say, uh, something like a, a 35 millimeter focal length, uh, yeah. which is, and pushing in so that I'm filling the frame with that shot. You can see that it slightly, it distorts the face a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it'll, it'll, there's a bit of lens barreling that happens compared to say when I step back a little bit and uh, fill the frame and include more of their face. So there is a sweet spot in in lenses where they actually all make the face appear the same. So if you've got a very wide lens, Val, mm. to fill the frame with a person's head, you need to push in quite close to fill the frame. And you'll see this uh, with your iPhone, uh, if you try and take a selfie, you haven't taken one for a while, Val. What's wrong? Is it because I'm hanging it on you too much, <laughs> and that you're too uh, self-conscious to do them? Um, <sighs> but there's this thing that happens with the iPhone, and I think that's why a lot of people love the that that lens. Is if you bring the iPhone above your face and shoot quite close, what it does is it it distorts the face. And uh, it, it kind of makes everything look narrower. And, right. um, and that's the lens distortion. If you back the, the camera up a little bit, it'll make your face look more normal, like how Jan in the uh, passport office takes your photo. <laughs> and every time I go in there to get visa photos, those poor people, those poor, poor people, I make them reshoot so many times. Like, I don't like that. Are you I don't serious? Like, I make them reshoot. Oh, my God. I go, what are you? you I said, why are that, you so vain? Because it's like every, like it could. they can try harder. They can make it better, Val. <laughs> oh, my God. And it, especially That's like so they've got the little flash on camera. I'm like, you can't, you can't use that flash. It's not right. Oh I just like, can we God. go over near the window and use a soft light? And... Uh, <laughs> 
that's like a 50 mil and they're well back. So that's, it's supposed to record what you actually look like. So that's the difference. So there is a huge difference in how the face appears, but more importantly, how much of the background is in the shot. So the wider the lens, the greater the field of view, the more of the background is included. So there's examples okay. of that in the show notes as well. And you can see the difference as you go longer, you're going to show less of the background. So if you're doing a portrait of someone and the background matters, it helps to tell the story, then you might want to go with a, a wider a wider focal length so that you include that in the background. If it's not so important, then you might want to go with a longer focal length. Mm-hmm. All right. And you also want to think about how close you want to be to the person. So uh, say you've got a, a couple like a, a bride and groom on their wedding day and you want to yeah. capture some shots of them like smooching, you know, they've just been married and you want to capture that lovely kiss. Yeah. Do you yeah. really want to be five centimeters from them in their space going, okay, <laughs> kiss now. It's not, like you're in their space. It's this yes, intimate that's moment. True. So that's why with a long lens, you can be back a fair way mm. and you can capture that moment and it, it still has that intimate feel without you being like right on top of them. So that couple of things to think about, it comes down to, it doesn't, basically it doesn't matter what lens you use, but think about the difference in the look you will get. And I think the lens choice that you have and how you how you shoot with it is going to become part of your style. So it all comes down to uh, those settings. So so think about that. How do you want your shot to look? Mm, that's great. That's yeah, absolutely. I understand. Mm-hmm. Big difference. All right. Great so advice. F stop. The f yes. stop that you choose. Okay. So the narrower the f stop, the higher the number. Okay. The more detail will be visible in the background and in the skin yep. tones. Yeah. Okay. So I actually told, I think, did I tell you this? I actually told uh, my partner your the way you um, uh, help people remember about mm. F-stops. So mm. when your F-stop, what, what Gina says, for those of you who haven't heard it before, is that when your F-stop has a lower number, you know, like four or 5.6 or 2 or 2.8, whatever. Yeah. When your well, f-stop has a lower number, um, there are fewer – because it's low, there are fewer things in focus. So you might only be able to focus on whatever your exact focal point is but not much else before and after that point is in focus. And she, what Gina says is when the f-stop has a higher number, like 22, um, then that means that if you imagine – that you could have the higher the number, the more things are in focus. So if you have a particular focal point, there are the the things there are more things before and after that focal point that are going to be in focus. And I mentioned that to my partner. He went, "That's a great way of remembering it." <laughs> oh, there you go, the tick of approval. Um, yes. Yeah, and that was a, a great description too, Val. Thank you for that. So yes, mm-hmm. the F's, and again, it comes down to what. Do you want to achieve in this photo? It's not something that you need to, that, that that needs to happen by chance. You need to think about how do mm. I want my image to look? If I'm mm. taking a portrait, does the background matter? And does seeing all the detail in the ba- background is it important? Now, 
if you are taking a portrait of someone and the background is just absolutely spectacular, like off your balcony where you were last week, Val. Not about mm-hmm. I've stayed at that hotel. It's beautiful. I know mm-hmm. you I know that exact balcony, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's important. You because mm-hmm. you it it adds to the shot. It it it's beautiful. And you want all that detail all the way through, then you might want to select a higher F stop. Yeah. But what if you're taking a portrait of someone and the background is uh, the yeah. only place you've got is chain mail fencing and mm-hmm. a rubbish dump and several rubbish bins in the background. Not yeah. quite as sexy. It's not Hawaii, no. is it? No. So you might, and if, if it doesn't tell the story and it doesn't help, then you might want to throw that background out of focus. So, Or yeah. there might be like often... Uh, photographing someone in front of trees, like lots yeah. and lots of trees or a forest, if you shoot that person, that portrait in front of all the, at, say, F-16 or F-22 and you've got all that detail and then you've got someone with, say, uh, they've, they've got their hair up, it's a beautiful elaborate hairstyle, and then in the background you've got maybe trees where the leaves have all fallen off. How do you think that's going to look as a background with the hair, someone with brown hair, and then you've got brown trees and twigs in the background? Yeah, probably it'll all blend in. It all blends in. So you, you want your the person that you're photographing to be the hero of the frame, and so you want to mm. think about, well, in this instance, when it's twigs in the background, my model's not going to stand out. So perhaps not a great idea to shoot at, say, F16 or F8 Mm. where the background's going to be super sharp. And there is also another example in the show notes where I've taken the same model, same location, and I've photographed him at – and this is from the Get Off uh, Master Manual Mode course. What's it called, Val? Um, how to get off auto and master manual mode how to get off auto for event master manual mode yes so it's an excellent 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 course it's how i learned to do it really good so the same model at in the same location and it's like a a, an alleyway and there's a graffiti Mm. on the wall and lots of textures and bricks shot at f22 he's very handsome boy isn't he yeah very handsome boy Mm. but he kind of gets lost in that background because there is a lot going yeah. on. He's competing with the background, even though sometimes a grungy background looks cool. There's just too much um, mm. to compete with. Too what much a difference on. when it's shot at f2.8 and we can throw mm. the background out of focus and suddenly the background just becomes this beautiful, creamy. There is a little bit of detail there, but you can't really tell what it is. Uh, it kind of supports him in the background, but it, it, he is definitely the hero of the shot. Mm-hmm. that's great okay so absolutely and of course all of these images are in the show notes at com. so check them out if you want to follow along but you don't have to so f-stop controls two things how your background looks okay yeah. so do you want detail in the background or do you want a softer looking background again that's that's up to you and yes. how you want to shoot it the other thing that you want to think about is when you shoot models at, say, a higher f-stop, f8, f11, f16, 
you've got to remember that everything is going to be super sharp and that means you're going to have an awful lot of detail in the skin tone as well compared to mm. if you shoot wide open. Now, I think that shooting wide open is a great friend to the beauty industry because, and it saves a lot of time because what happens is if you focus on the eyes and you're shooting mm. at, say, f2.8 on a long lens, the eyes are going to be in focus, but a couple of millimeters past the eyes starts to drop out of focus. And what happens is the skin isn't, is, is not going to be super, super crisp. It'll be just out of focus. It'll be just starting to drop out of focus. And mm. this is like in the olden days, they used to film models and the the cinematographers used to smear Vaseline on, on the lens oh, yes. to give that soft focus look. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of like doing that uh, in a digital way. So you can just mm – -hmm. and it, it is nice and it also saves you a lot of work. A lot of beauty photographers will actually shoot at, say, f8 or f11 because they want that super sharpness and then they'll dedicate mm. a couple of hours to retouch any blemishes um, out of the skin. So if you want to spend all that extra time and you like that super crisp look to your images, then shoot at mm. a higher f-stop. If you want that sort of softer beauty look, then shoot at a wider or like a smaller number wide, wide open. Cool. Yep, that makes sense. All right. Now, the next uh, settings are the light. So basically, you always want to be looking for good light. So as a good starting point, like where you want to go, you're painting by numbers or six minutes to a perfect soft-boiled egg, daylight is you want to find uh, soft open shadow. So you look for uh, areas where there is uh, clean, soft light, where not hard edged, not uh, high contrast lighting. So often you'll find that on a, if you've got a cloudy day, so there is a nice cloud cover, you've got soft light or uh, things like we've talked about this a million times. You're so good at explaining it, Val. I'm going to let you explain what garage lighting is because that is one of the best go-to starting points, yep. paint-by-numbers of lighting ever. Yep. If you aren't familiar with garage lighting, it's the technical term <laughs> for a type of lighting that Gina um, describes, and it's a fantastic style of lighting, and it's very, very flattering. So I look for garage lighting wherever <laughs> I go and try to get shot in garage lighting. So basically, it's it doesn't have to be in a garage. Um, it's just called that. Because if you imagine that you have a garage with, uh, and you're standing at the at the door, you know where the door opens for your car, and so you're under shade, but in front of you is typically concrete or asphalt or the driveway, and if the sun, and if it's daylight, the sun's beating down on the driveway, and it's re the driveway is reflecting the sun back onto your face if you're standing in the doorway, but you are under shade. So you are fully under shade, but you're still getting the reflection from the driveway and that is beautiful garage lighting. So yeah. you don't have to be in a garage. You can find that anywhere. So for example, in my office, I have a terrace that is, that has a, uh, that is a covered terrace, but there is a certain point that I can stand outside my office where I'm still in the shade, but the sun being reflected on the terrace floor, um, it comes 
comes back to to reflect on my face and it's very very flattering yeah it's the best light and it looks like studio lighting and because what's nice about it is it's got a bit of edge to it because it's directional when you've got hard sun beating down on the pavement and then it bounces back up light travels in a straight line so if it bounces off the pavement it's going to sort of uh bounce back into you uh and uh, it's strong light but it's also soft fills in all the detail in your face so it's nice flat even lighting perfect for headshots people will just think you're amazing and that you've actually lit the shot and one point though, if you happen to be under shade but near a pavement or you know the driveway or whatever, which can bounce the light back up to you, but let's say your driveway is black. Let's say your driveway is black bitumen or you know it's black, it's a black floor for some reason. Take the tip that Gina gave to me because that was how my garage was um, previously is just get a white ta- uh, white towel or white sheet and lay that onto the driveway and the sun will reflect off that. Yes, but don't do what my son did and take the <laughs> best sheet that I had, my favourite sheet, like my, my favourite sheet, and took it to the Indeed. beach for a shoot. Um, and I'm looking at really it and I'm going, good. where'd you get this? This looks like, he's like, yeah, I got it out of you. I'm like, oh. Yeah, so oh, just get an old yeah. sheet or a reflector and put it down on the ground and that will do a great job. Uh, Mm -hmm. The next thing that you want to do, if you can't find that style of garage lighting, and do look for it and do notice it and do experiment with it, even if it just means putting your hand up in that light and having a look and just photographing your hand in that light so that you can start to see where it is. Uh, The next one that is always try and shoot with the light source behind you. So if you've got a window and you want to photograph a portrait of someone have the window behind you so that it's lighting your um, your model so that yeah. and that will create beautiful catch lights and that's just a really simple way to light people and it's I, I can't believe how many times I'm in a place and someone's trying to do a, a shot of people they've got their phones out and they've got the window behind them because the view and everyone looks terrible because it's backlit and you're never going to get that light in. So I just say, why don't you turn everyone around and shoot into the venue and they go, wow, we all look so good. You know, it's so easy. So just remember, have the light source behind you and if you want to take it up another level, carry a reflector around and bounce some more light in. So you always want to have that little catch light in the eyes. Uh, all right, so mm. a very quick one for flash. This is flash, painting by numbers, boil the water first, six minutes, <laughs> perfect, soft-boiled egg. Gina's everyone, version of soft-boiled egg. It, 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 the only version of soft-boiled egg. Do you think everyone's going to go and make soft-boiled eggs now or we're going to have a lot of uh, feedback no. <laughs> on what a good soft-boiled egg is? And mm-hmm. who, If you prefer runny whites, tell me. I want to hear. Uh with flash, here is a basic one. So shooting outside with your speed light, if you want to try off-camera flash and it is a bright sunny day, uh, you what you do is the paint by number style is get your flash and then what you do is set it to full power and set your f-stop to f11. 
And it's going to vary between F5.6 and F16. So you might have to change your aperture depending on where you are, northern or southern hemisphere. So if you're in the southern hemisphere coming into summer now, the light is slightly brighter. If you're in the northern hemisphere, it doesn't take as much flash at, at this time of the year. Because, and, and some places the light, the sun is in different angles to the to the sky. So, But experiment with that, those settings, and at 1 1 25th of a second, with your flash about three feet or half a meter away from your subject with a little softbox on the flash. And that should give you a pretty good shot mm. to experiment with. Okay, cool. All right. All you need okay. when you're, and we talk about this a lot, we've been talking about this so much in the goal community because I'm encouraging everyone to please I know I use a lot of food analogies. I can't help it. It just makes sense to me, Val. Learn to peel potatoes before Mm -hmm. you make a filet mignon. I know everyone is in a hurry to take that, you know, that master portrait with 17 lights, four reflectors. The problem with doing (laughs) that is it's like if you try and make that filet mignon when you you haven't learned all the basic skills first – you 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 might get it the first time, but you you won't know why, and you won't know what contributed to to what. So, like when I see photographers starting out, they may be getting great shots with four lights, but you're not sure what lights doing the, what to your subject, and to recreate that next time is going to be a lot harder. So it's much better to start out with one light. So just get yourself one speed light and work off camera. And master that first. Learn to peel the potatoes, which was how I was taught as a, when I was training as a cook. The chef would get the cook's assistant to peel potatoes day in, day out until they were happy with the peeling style. And then we would go on to assembling salads and so on and so forth. The last thing we learnt was filet mignon. Right. All right. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> one light. One light, you can do so much. So you can do split lighting. We talked about portrait lighting styles a couple of episodes ago. Learn to master that one light before you add the second light. So so this is the paint by numbers setup. So one flash, full power, one speed light. Start at F11. If it's too bright, go up to F16. Don't, don't change the flash power and you should get something good out of that. All right, so that's uh, yep. portrait, paint by numbers, basic settings and uh, lens lenses and shutter speed covered there, Val. Yep, yep, fantastic. Wow, cool. All right, so that was, yeah. let's go awesome. into documentary street photography, uh, so candid photography basically. So Yes, so not event photography. This could work for event photography. I'm not going to put it into that category because I don't want to confuse people. So let's just call it uh, documenting. It can be, maybe. Okay. Okay. It depends on the kind of event. So if you want to capture kind of um, uh, sort of behind the scenes at the event, it probably suits that. Yes. But not if if it's an event, say it's awards night and you have to get photos of everyone (laughs) with their prize or something like that. No, don't don't use it. Yeah. Yeah. So – 
documentary photography, it's all about capturing that moment of time and it does, it requires a completely different approach than that of portrait photography. So when you think about it, some of the best images in history were captured in like a millisecond. They happen so fast. The best documentary street candid style photographers are Again, like portrait photography, they're not thinking about f4, f5.6, or change to one five hundredth of a second. They're not even thinking about any of that. They know their cameras inside out. They are shooting intuitively. Okay, so again, mm. you want to be to a point where you're so familiar with your camera that you're not having to think about that, and you can uh, change your settings very quickly. But there are a couple of hacks and some good starting points that will ensure that you'll get something decent, get that confidence. And once you learn how to, how your camera works, it kind of becomes an extension of your, of your hand and you'll be able to, to capture those shots so that when, I don't know, someone does a backflip next to you, you're not fumbling for, oh my God, it did a backflip. But because by the time you've seen the shot, if you've seen the shot, you've missed it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Because you don't yeah. have time to react, frame it, compose it. So, again, it's like that sensing or anticipating the action or seeing that someone is crouching about to do something, you've got your camera out like a ninja and you capture that shot. So with portrait landscape, you've got time to think about it, you've got time to compose it, and you've, you, you've got that time. You don't get that luxury with uh, doing the documentary-style uh, stuff. Okay. So importantly, again, you want to know what all the buttons and dials do. So just spend time every day. Like if you can get five minutes with your camera and just like have a different, what does this button do day? What does this button do? Just play with it for five minutes, get to know your camera more. And more importantly, learn to read and see light. Now we did a whole episode about three episodes ago. I think I called it how to read and see light probably, so <laughs> check it out because uh, that's important and that is a game changer to your photography learning and, and start looking at light and start understanding it and also learning about composition. So a couple of exercises that you can do, uh, if you're traveling to work by public transport, then maybe get off the train or the bus a stop earlier and walk with your camera and practice uh, these techniques that we're going to talk about. Or if you can, go out in your lunch hour and just spend 10 minutes, 5, 10 minutes practicing these skills and it's all you need to do. All right, so it's the peeling potatoes. Learn to practice the peeling potatoes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Val, do you know yes. that there is a focus technique that documentary photographers use that is the fastest technique in the world. It's as fast as your eye. It's fast. Ooh. Okay, you have to tell me. It focuses in a nanosecond. There's no lag. Okay. Okay, There's no issues on. with low light. You know how the yes. camera zzz, 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 constantly searching mm -hmm, in low mm -hmm. light. Have you ever had that situation where it's backlit and it's just going, I don't know, I don't understand, I can't focus. And zzz, 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 zzz. Or someone, you've, you're about to take a photo of someone and someone moves through the frame and what will the camera do? It'll focus on the person moving through the frame 
and they'll they'll be in focus and the person that you photograph is out of focus. How annoying. This particular system that documentary photographers, candid photographers, street photographers use has no none of those issues. Fastest, fastest way in the world. Absolute game changer. Wanna right, know what it on. is? Go on. It's called pre-focusing. Okay. Pre-focusing. How can you pre-focus when you don't know where the, you know, the the shot's going to be? All right. So when I first started doing street photography, I thought, well, all photography is the same, right? So I used all the techniques that I'd learned as a portrait photographer, shooting fashion, shooting events to shoot street and it was frustrating because I, I kept thinking, how do these guys get these shots where someone's moving through the frame so quickly or they've captured this thing that's happened? I'm missing the shots. And I just thought that you have to be just like, I don't know, a black belt in street photography to be able to shoot that quickly, move the focus point. To I was missing all those shots, Val, and I wanted to know mm. why. And it's because these guys are pre-focusing. That's the difference, okay? So, and I've been experimenting and it's really good, Val. It's really exciting. Can you tell I'm excited? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Just tell me. So what you do is you set your camera. So before you're about to set out and go and shoot street photography or, you know, candid documentaries, say a kid's party or, or things like that, you set your camera to autofocus and you then focus on an object about two meters or roughly uh, six feet, 1.8 meters, six feet in front of you. All right. Mm-hmm. So I often do this by uh, using a light pole or a fire hydrant or a garbage bin that I can focus on. Okay. Mm-hmm. Focus on that. Thing. And just a tip Did you know that your arms, when your arms are spread out, that's actually your height. So if you you spread your arms out like an aeroplane and you Mm -hmm. measure from the tips of your finger to the, of your left hand to the tips of your finger on your right hand, that's your actual Mm -hmm. height. So Okay. I've heard this. I wonder if it's true, but okay. uh, And so if you're about. Uh, if, so if you want to know what roughly six feet is, if you happen to yeah. be six foot tall, then that's all you need to do. <laughs> if right. You're, if, if you're a little bit shorter, Val, mm-hmm. then just add a couple of feet to that. You're not four foot tall though. You're you're a bit higher, taller than that. So, but that's a, a, <laughs> sort of a, gives you a good idea of what a roughly that is. Um, and I think to use this technique, if you're not um confident with your distances then for the first little while maybe bring a tape measure with you and actually measure six feet or two Mm -hmm. meters from something stand there and then pre-focus and get a lock right so you've Mm -hmm. focused on something you can have your camera set to autofocus get your focus point and then switch your camera back to manual focus and don't touch anything all right so you've got a focus point then once you've got your your image in focus, you can then start shooting. And so what you've done is where – so if you've got a an f-stop of, say, f8, okay, if you have someone who is six feet away from you, that 
mm-hmm. photo, that person, if it is six feet away, he'll be sharp at six feet away and he will also be sharp at another six feet beyond and, say, three feet in front. Because yeah. at F8, when you're shooting slightly wide, the focal plane is going to be quite deep. There's a lot of the areas in the frame that are going to be in focus. So you can go and confidently shoot knowing that anyone that passes through the frame, all you've got to do is hold up your camera and shoot and know that they're going to be, as long as you stay within that, that, that distance, they're going to be in focus. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. Absolutely. Would you be confident I'd... trying that? Yeah, why not? So... I'd like because you. I think I. I can't remember which episode you had a diagram. Yeah. That was really useful on this, and um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I have uh, included a series of diagrams that show this the focal length and cool. change it. So I think. If you are this, this, like starting out doing street photography or candid photography and you want to try this style of shooting, pre-focusing, I recommend that you set your, you shoot on say uh, something like a 24 to a 35 millimeter lens, something quite wide. And I think that's important when you're doing that documentary style of photography because it just looks better when you're closer to the action and you've got more mm. stuff in the frame. It just feels more like you're there, like you're in the moment. And that's what, um, you know, that's what it's all about. So pick a lens that's a little bit wider for this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Choose an aperture of, say, F between F8 and F16. And also yeah. you want a shutter speed of around because you want to avoid camera shakes. So you want a shutter speed of between one two fiftieth and one one thousandth of a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that you can freeze the action. So if someone's running through the frame, you're going to stop them. And then your ISO, go to auto ISO. Most cameras have auto ISO. So if you set your F stop to F eight or F eleven okay, or F16 if you want, then you set your shutter speed to, say, 1 250th of a second as a minimum or 1 1,000th of a second if you're, you've got people that are jumping up and down and cheering and running and sprinting. If you've got a lot of action, then go for a faster shutter speed. Then you, your camera will select the ISO for you. And this is particularly handy if you're moving from inside and outside or you're in shade and then you go out in full sun your camera will change the iso for you based on the fact that you've said to the camera dave i'm at f8 and i'm going to shoot at 1 250th you choose the iso for me all right Mm -hmm. so what you're doing effectively is taking out all the variables and you've pre-focused so all you're doing now All you have to think about is composing the shot and being there in the moment when someone does a backflip next to you. (laughs) Because, of course, they're going to do that. Yeah, so I have been – and and so if you look in the show notes, there are little diagrams that show you at uh, each – with different lenses and different apertures 
how uh, a, a guide to the area of the frame that's going to be in focus. So start with that f8 setting, do that six foot or two meters pre-focus, and know that say a couple of feet in front of that area, that 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 distance will be sharp, and uh, several feet beyond that distance will be sharp. It'll vary depending on the lens that you use and the um, the the focal length and the aperture that you pick all right so it's going to change so it's something that you need to experiment with with your camera and I went out on the streets and I experimented and I, I loved it for the freedom that it gives you to capture those shots if you cool. want to push yourself and once you think you've mastered shooting at say f8 and or f11 you can take this to the next level and try shooting at f point f f2 which is a game changer or f2.8 so wide wow. open with the pre very high degree of difficulty there i had a go at that mm. as well and i managed to get a few sharp so i've got an example of that and you can get right up close to people and you're not having to think about i need to move my focus point and you can just like take the shot bang and so you're not, yep. especially in like the image that I've got, I've got an image in the show notes, F2, 1 320th of a second, the ISO was uh, 3200. And I've got an image where the person is backlit. There's bright lights behind him. If I had have tried to autofocus uh, auto that, the the camera would have been searching because of the bright light coming behind. But without that, with the pre-focus, I managed to to get a shot. So that's how it's done. Worth a try. Awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Give it a go, guys, mm. um, and let us know how you go. In fact, since Gina's brought back the hashtag Gina challenge, yeah. uh, the, the challenge this week is hashtag pre-focus. So have a go yourselves at um, – at giving this technique a try and see how you go and load your images into the Facebook community and um, put hashtag Gina challenge, hashtag pre-focus so we know what you're trying to achieve. We'd love to see how you go. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? I have a ton of editing to do, Val, and lots Fun. of other running around. Yes, it's a busy, it's just such a busy time. It's the beautiful, oh, it's such a beautiful, the sun setting right now. It's so Okay. <laughs> How about you? What are you up to? You know, I've just got to catch up on so much stuff since yeah. being away, so I am in catch-up mode. Mm. Um, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com, so that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A, and I'm on Twitter at Gina Militia, on Instagram also at Gina Militia, and if you want to connect with me in person uh, online, <laughs> then I'm in the goal community. So if you're thinking of taking your photography to the next level, then you might want to check out the goal community, lots of uh critiques and uh, I'm working with peeling potatoes if you want to learn how to boil the right egg <laughs> we do that as well in the gold community what about you Val love it um I'm at Valerie Koo that's k-h-o-o on Twitter and Instagram and you'll find me at valeriekoo.com thanks for listening everyone and we look forward to chatting to you again next time thanks guys Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.